footsteps behind you as you enter the woods. Night draws back its cape. Light illumines your path. Open your eyes. Listen. Welcome to Dark Softly Tales. Dark stories for dark hearts. I'm Mav Sky. Good evening and welcome to your nightmares. And another episode of your favorite horror storytelling podcast, Dark Softly Tales. This is your host, Mav. And tonight we dive into shark infested waters and later we'll visit the circus in E.M. Fitch's tale, Buried Deep Down. After last week's episode on Lore of the Mermaids, I think you will find Aaron's tale a rather fascinating take on mermaids from a sideshow perspective. You all know how I love the era of circus and sideshows, and E.M. Fitch brings it big time with this story. Full disclosure, E.M. Fitch is one of my very best friends. I adore her as a person, and I adore her stories. I know that I have every right to think her stories are special because she is a dear friend of mine, but I think once you get a flavor of her atmospheric descriptions and dreamy prose that you'll be just as hooked as I am. Stay tuned after the story to learn where to buy her books, the freebie book that she's giving away, and how to find out more about her. You can also find all of her info and links in the show notes. Now. I want you to put on your ringmaster's hat. I want you to picture a river with long black shadows swimming beneath. Don't worry, I got your hand. There's nothing to be afraid of, is there? Take my hand and hang on tight as we journey into the dark softly. Buried Deep Down by E.M. Fitch The wind whispered restlessly in the forest that surrounded the dock. It blanketed all other noise but the occasional croak of a bullfrog and the gentle murmuring of the river below. The memory of the circus was a faint tease tickling the back of Tommy's brain. A strong breeze whisked up his bare arms, eliciting a shiver. Tommy hardly noticed over the mantra that played on repeat through his mind. He'll take my treasures. He'll turn them to gold. The thought pounded like a rat-tat-tat band, a consistent thump in Tommy's ears. The man with the tall hat had promised. He had roared that oath into the crowds that lined the street, twisting a golden coin around his knuckles without dropping it once. Ladies and gentlemen, children of all ages, I'll take your treasures, I'll turn them to gold, the ringmaster had shouted. Those words carried over the restless crowd from the ringmaster's perch on the grandest carriage. A red and gold platform pulled by cart horses. 
all around him the circus played on, marching and dancing to the creaky music of a battered organ. Acrobatic dancers tumbled down the gritty pavement. Clowns followed, honking noses and spraying water from the fake flowers lodged in their labels. A strong man lifted barbells the entire mile march through the center of their town. A sleepy lion dozed in a cage by a drooping horse. Camels and a spitting llama strode down the center of the street, their hooves falling near mechanically on the double yellow line. Clip-clop, clip-clop. Tommy could still hear the rhythmic canter, even though the parade had long since passed. It had played like a bass to the booming voice of the ringmaster, his words singing over it. I'll take your treasures, I'll turn them to gold. You'll walk out with riches, never mind what you sold. All the wondrous marvels had stolen lazily through town, but it was the ringmaster's words that stuck in Tommy's brain. Treasures, gold, riches... Tommy, don't be a dummy. Who's a dummy? You're a dummy, Tommy muttered, squatting on the dock. His friend's shadow reached out in a long stretch of duskiness, accentuating the murky currents in the brackish water below. Tommy pulled his new diving mask, the one his father had bought him for his 13th birthday, out of his bag. It was a good mask. The seal was nice and tight around his eyes, and it would hold fast. His old one leaked something awful. Rushes and weeds sprung up beside him, choking the sides of the abandoned little spread of wooden planks. They whispered to him as the breeze rushed through. They had been there since Tommy could remember. And this wasn't the first summer he used the dock as a springboard for exploring the river. This bend in the river was deep and rich, not too far from the ocean that it rushed to meet. There were even times Tommy swore he could taste the brine of the sea, as though some of the ocean currents came to usher the river home. The dock boards were old and splintering now, The platform wavered if you moved too quickly. With every jump, it would sway, as though it wanted to keep the diving boys close, pull them back to safety. Soon, the local swimming hole would be swallowed by the forest that crept ever closer. But not today. Nate rocked back on his heels, watching his friend. Tommy squinted up at him once catching the disapproving shake of his head before turning back to his mask and hawking a wad of yellowish phlegm onto the glass. I saw it down there, Nate. I did, Tommy said, refusing to look back at his friend. And Jacob swore he saw a shark the other day, Nate said. Jacob is a bald-faced liar. Our dad told us to stay out of the river. You know they did. Nate said, squatting down next to his friend. I don't think you should do it. Tommy paused, pushing his hocked-up loogie around on the interior glass of his mask until it mushed into a slimy film. He kept at it for a moment, 
coating the lens, leaving no spot untouched, because he had read in one of his Explorers magazine that helped the glass from fogging up. The ringmaster's chant still echoed in his brain. Take your treasures, turn them to gold. Why else would our dads not want us swimming, huh? Nate pressed. It's dangerous right now, Tommy. Because Sissy Jacob thought he saw a shark? Tommy asked, huffing. No. Because that Masterson kid was eaten up. Just last week. Tommy swallowed hard around the lump that formed in his throat. He knew that. He knew about the Masterson kid. It was all in the papers. The talk of every barber shop and grocery store. A shark in the river. Something dark and sleek and scary. Something hungry. The giant fish had come upon a swimming hole. One not too far from here. And chomped down on the first thigh he had found. It was funny though because no one had seen the shark. They just heard the boy screaming, saw the blood that clouded the water. Masterson made it out of the river, his leg all torn to bits, but he never made it out of the hospital. I saw it down there, Nate, Tommy muttered. I did. The wind picked up and crested gentle waves along the river. They sparkled golden in the late afternoon sun. The water was restless today, churning with sediment as always, but moving fast. This bend in the river was a bit unpredictable, sometimes as slow as a pond, other times ripping around, the current pulling you as though it wanted to toss you to sea. Today was an out-to-sea day, Tommy could feel that, even from the dock. It sparked his hope, though, rather than tamping it down. It was a treasure of the sea he was seeking. I'll take your treasures. I'll turn them to gold. You'll walk out with riches. Riches. Tommy believed that, too. The ringmaster had a golden coin. He spun it around on his knuckles, flipping it from finger to finger as he rode in the highest wagon, bellowing into the fidgeting crowd. The ringmaster already had treasures. Many, many treasures. But he was always on the hunt for more. His treasures were advertised with silken banners. Come to the circus, they read. But it was, stay for the sideshow, they meant. The sideshow held more interest for Tommy than the flying acrobats, strongmen, and lion tamers. The sideshow offered marvels, things he had only dreamed about, fables he'd fantasized over, exotic creatures described in his explorer's magazines. Two-headed snakes... The smallest man alive, the skeleton of a fairy, wings and all. Tommy would pay for his ticket tonight. He'd see the treasures. His own treasure would come along. 
wrapped lovingly and tucked securely into his bag. And after, Tommy would find the ringmaster, find him and show him, and then that golden coin would be his. He wanted that golden coin, but truthfully, in that deep down secret part of himself, he longed to see his discovery featured on a silken banner, his name printed right alongside of it. The water was dark and murky below him. He dipped a toe in, and it darn well disappeared. It would be hard to find his treasure today, but the circus would leave at dawn. Don't do it, Tommy, Nate begged. You'll walk out with riches, Tommy breathed, ignoring his friend and getting to his feet. Never mind what you sold. Tommy took a deep breath, pulled his mask over his face, and cannonballed into the river. His bedroom was dark and still. Tommy's hands clenched into fists, tight little balls that trembled at his side. Bunching the sheets they lay under, the ringmaster's words were a hollow ring in his ears. They turned soft and shallow, taunting Tommy. There was no more clip-clop basses or creaky organ music to accompany the words. They were flat, off-key, lifeless. You'll walk out with riches, never mind what you sold. Never mind is right, Tommy muttered through grit teeth into the stillness of his room. The circus was all lights and sawdust and popcorn and frauds, fakes, the lot of them. What good was it to share a treasure if it was worthless to begin with? Tommy wasn't a fraud. He wasn't faking when he walked in with his treasure. Well, boy, the ringmaster had bellowed. Just what have we here? The golden coin was still between his knuckles. It rolled around in his hand, each finger lifting and urging it along, never ceasing. Up close, in the dusk of that hollowed tent, Tommy could see the iron show through the edges of that coin, little strips of truth where the golden paint had chipped away. Tommy rolled over in his bed, clutching the pillow beneath his head and pulling his knees to his chest. He tried to get his twitching jaw muscle to relax. Tiny feathers pricked at the skin of his hands through the pillowcase. He had already pitched all his Explorers magazines in the trash, such a load of garbage. The water in the swimming hole had cleared some by the time he had swum to the bottom. Layers of dirt and muck ribboned the currents, but there were places he could see. It took him 27 separate dives, each one accompanied by a hurried drag of air and a disapproving huff from his buddy, Nate. 27 times he had to dive down, sift through that muck, but he had found it. He knew he would. Small thing lay curled at the base of a grouping of bulrush plants. Its tiny arms lay folded under its lolling head. 
much like Tommy's, were now in his bed. The small, dark body drifted and moved with a river current, though its tail angered it, wrapped as it was around the strong, green stalk. Altogether, it was no longer than Tommy's forearm. At first, it was hard to see the tail, the color as dull green as the bulrush through muddy water. The creature blended with its surroundings, dusky skin and reflective green scales that matched the stalks of grass and rushes so perfectly. Hair floated around the tiny face, hair like fuzzy algae drifting in clouds. Mermaid, a word of fantasy and fairy tale, a word that perfectly described the tiny creature waiting in the rushes. Tommy had seen it before, much in the same position it was now. It had been a week ago. He had thought at the time that it was dead, a stiff little body lost to the river, separated from its homeland at the bottom of the ocean. He had stretched his fingers out, though a thrill of fear had raced up his arm, preventing him from grasping the still body. He remembered his lungs burning with the need for oxygen. A splash from his buddy, cannonballing above him. A rush of water and string of bubbles, and he had lost his treasure in the mud of the riverbed. Not this time. This time, though, his lungs did burn with the need for oxygen, and tiny bubbles escaped his lips. He reached for the tail, determined, gold flickering in his mind's eye. It wiped away that tingly fear that crept through his arms. His fingers wrapped around the tail, just at the base where the fin met the green scales. Tommy's bedroom door was closed, though there was a stripe of golden light from the hallway stretching across his floor from under the door. He heard a click outside his room, and that golden light disappeared in an instant along with the shuffle of his parents' feet as they went to bed. He swallowed hard, his jaw clenched. He refused to let the tears come. He had finally seen the ringmaster's treasures. Finally, he dreamed of this day for years, and everything he saw was complete and utter garbage. His own secret, his fabulous mermaid, was so much more beautiful, so much more real than any of the trash that Ringmaster sought to pass off as treasure. There would be no silken banner, no golden coin, because Tommy refused to leave something so true, so pure, with a man who was nothing more than a charlatan. The so-called fairy the ringmaster displayed. It was obviously a butterfly with a praying mantis pressed to its front. The smallest man alive wasn't even there. It was just a picture on a wall with a plaque that displayed his name. There were bizarre skeletons that were obviously just different animals meshed together after the poor creatures had died. Nothing there was of value. It was all a joke. It was all nothing more than a grotesque fraud. The ringmaster took your money, promised you marvels, 
and then try to convince you a common dried-up centipede was an alien from Mars. Tommy's mermaid laid at the foot of his bed, tucked carefully into his trunk. It was still wrapped in the silken shawl he had lifted from his mother's closet. The poor thing was dead. It had been dead all along. Although... Tommy shifted in his bed, unfurling his fingers from his crumpled pillow. There had been a moment, infinitesimal really, just a blur and a flash. She had opened her eyes. He couldn't be sure that he saw it, not completely, truly positive. The water had been so stirred up with mud and riverbed sediment, there was no way to really tell. But he could have sworn the tail had pulsed under his fingers, and he thought he saw a spark of blue behind those closed eyelids. Tommy had returned to the dock, hoisting himself up onto splintering planks that swayed with his motion, and triumphantly laid his treasure at Nate's feet. His buddy gawked, wide-eyed and open-mouthed. It was ridiculous enough to make Tommy keel over with laughter, dripping wet and still a little shaky from his find. The mermaid was as stiff as driftwood. At first, it was slick and wet, and still a little bit muddy from its time lost to the riverbed. But as it dried, it appeared more porous. It appeared if Tommy were honest with himself, like a carved statue. It's a toy, Nate had said, leaning over it, his forehead crinkled with speculation and his head tilt on his neck in consideration. Tommy had pulled his mask from his face, pushing his hair up off his forehead. It's not. Look at the hair. But even as he said it, he noticed her hair was now as stiff as her body, no longer the floating green algae from below. It looked as solid as his baby sister's toy dolly with the blonde plastic hair that was molded to the scalp. Sorry, Tommy, Nate said, shaking his head in a sad sort of way. I think it's from someone's garden or something. Just a bit of junk. Tommy had inhaled sharply, letting the air out in a slow, controlled sigh. Nate was wrong. He knew that. Down in the water, with the tail curled so specifically around that bulrush stalk, its arms gently cradling its head and its hair floating in the current, it was obvious that this had been a living creature. But looking down at his treasure... Tommy could see why his buddy would think it was junk. He couldn't see what Tommy saw. The body wasn't painted. There were soft hues of green and brown that lurked even deeper than paint could reach. The features were so delicate. If it had been a wooden sculpture, no one would have been able to just chuck it into the river. Might be nice as a gift for your ma. Nate remarked, holding Tommy's towel out for him. Tommy nodded his head, wrapping the mermaid in the towel instead of himself. What Nate didn't know, when it hurt him, he knew 
knew inherently that the ringmaster would recognize true treasure when he saw it. The ringmaster would know. Ladies and gentlemen, children of all ages, I hope you enjoyed the circus, but sadly the first part of E.M. Fitch's tale, Buried Deep Down, is over. Tune in next week to hear its conclusion, and now a little about the author herself. E.M. Finch is an author who loves scary stories, chocolate, and tall trees. She is the author of the Young Adult Zombie Trilogy, the Break Free series, which explores the hope and beauty that can be found amid chaos, darkness, and hordes of chomping infected. Her Stolen Girl series, which includes the titles Of the Trees, At Wood's Edge, and Beyond the Wild Wood, is a young adult horror fantasy inspired by haunted cemeteries and the darker musings of W.B. Yeats. Her story Between the Shadows was featured in the Fragments of Darkness anthology, and her collection of short stories entitled The Veil, Ghost, Goblins, and Ghouls is available now. She has been published in Pulp Metal Magazine, Under the Bed Magazine, and her short stories Release and The Creep were featured respectively in CHBB's Lurking in the Shadows and Lurking in the Mind anthologies. When not dreaming up new ways to torture characters, she is usually corralling her four children or thinking of ways to tire them out so she can get an hour of peace at night. Head on over to www.emfitch.com, and that's spelled E-M-F-I-T-C-H, to sign up with her newsletter and learn more about her books. She also let me know that the second book in her Break Free series, Loss of Light, is free on Amazon this week from today, May 18th through Friday the 22nd. All the links are in the show notes. Until next week, shine bright, dark hearts. <laughs>